0: Hey there, we the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John McComb. And I'm Eric Scoscauspo. Well, tonight we are going to talk about Penn State, uh, one of the teams Northwestern does not play this season. Um, Penn State team with a... A little bit of turnover, I, I think, on, on both sides of the ball. And I'm, I'm definitely interested to see kind of where you guys are going to come down on them. Uh, John, defensively,
1: uh, tell us about the Nittany Alliance. So if I think, you know, a lot of people thought, or certainly we thought, should I say, that Penn State's 2017 defense was pretty overrated. Well, if the 2017 defense was overrated, I'd say the 2018 defense was properly rated. So unlike all of the ridiculous hype around the 2017 unit, no one would have called the 2018 Penn State defense the best unit in the Big Ten. But overall, the 2018 unit was almost certainly the better of the two. Um, So this was not a Michigan or Michigan State level defense last year, but the Nittany Lions did nothing poorly on defense, and they did particular things fantastically well. The heart of this unit by far is the pass defense. And that starts with a defensive line that improved exponentially last year. So Penn State had a couple of young defensive linemen make big leaps. And I would say that that positions the Nittany Lions very well for 2019. At the head of this group is the excellent end, Yeter Gross Matos, who exploded onto the scene last year as a sophomore with 20 tackles for loss and 8 sacks. And he's joined by Shaka and tackle Robert Windsor. And those two combined for 18 and a half tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks. So Penn State loses a couple of other performers on the defensive line. But they expect to add performers um, including uh, a big time 2018 defensive end recruit in Jason Owe. This is the unit that led the FBS in sacks per game last year, and they're absolutely going to be bringing the heat in 2019. Further helping give Penn State the number two pass defense in the Big Ten in 2018 was a very good secondary, um, where the starters intercepted 11 passes. Now, two of those players are gone now, but safety Garrett Taylor is back. And joining him at the other safety is probably going to be former mega recruit Lamont Wade. And flanking him on the outside is going to be John Reed, who is an excellent cover corner. So this is a hard, hard defense to throw the ball against. Running the ball against Penn State is a different story. The funny thing about that is that Penn State's run defense is oriented around definitely Penn State's most high-profile player. That is Wonderkind Micah Parsons who uh, was middle linebacker for Penn State last year, was their monster recruit, top three recruit in the nation, um, and led Penn State in tackles as a freshman. Parsons is definitely the man, but in truth, his numbers last year were amazing for a freshman middle linebacker, but they weren't really amazing for a player overall. Um, They were just good. And furthermore, Penn State may be linebacker you, but the two guys who are probably going to flank Parsons on either side, Cam Brown and Jan Johnson, are nothing to write home about. I mean, these are decent Big Ten linebackers, but, I mean, like, we start a better linebacker core overall than Penn State does. Um, And when you factor in the fact that Penn State's line, as we said earlier, is built to get to the quarterback, it's not built to absorb offensive linemen. It's a very athletic unit. But it's not a Michigan State-designed or even a Northwestern-designed defensive line. Um, It's not the kind that absorbs offensive linemen. You realize then that this is a unit that can be run upon. Um, And Penn State was the number eight team in the Big Ten last year against the run. And next year's starting linebackers, including Parsons, had four tackles for loss combined last year. Still, though, Parsons is definitely a shooting star. I mean, this guy is going to be one of the Big Ten's rock stars for the next couple of years. His numbers are probably going to be better than this, than they were as a freshman, possibly significantly better. Um, and this is absolutely, potentially, a top three defense in the conference if Parsons turns into just this tackle machine because the secondary and the defensive line are so good. So, Penn State is going to feast on the portion of its opponents that don't have a strong running game, and I mean this is a defense that just from an athleticism standpoint is going to obliterate some of its opponents. But uh, this is a defense that's going to have to step up against the run if it really wants to be counted among the very best in the conference. Well, Wilskas, well, as we turn to the offensive side of the ball, uh, no more
0: tracing sorely. Uh, what are the Nittany Lions doing on offense? Do do you know do
2: you know the name of of the QB that they that is pretended to be the starter right now? I can't say that I do. Well, let me share with let me share with you my favorite line from Phil Steele's Penn State preview this year. "Quote: Sean Clifford saw action in four games as a redshirt freshman and threw a school record 95-yard touchdown pass versus Kent State."
1: There you go. He's a meteor, rising star, can't be stopped. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Look, uh, I get it. James Franklin recruits like the devil himself. This team is loaded with talent, Uh, an unfair amount of talent, frankly. They have way more talent than Michigan, probably more talent than Ohio State on offense. Um, But let's look under the hood, shall we? Um, By all accounts, this team underperformed in 2018. They had lost their all-everything player in uh, Saquon Barkley. So some of that makes sense except then you start to look at Miles Sanders, who was a carbon copy of Barkley on the ground. Through the air, not as much. They hardly targeted Sanders at all. They had similar drop-offs throughout the receiver core. Uh, KG Hamler who was their top receiver. He was a pretty reasonable replacement for Deshaun Hamilton, the top guy from the year b- before. Uh, but losing Mike Gesicki at tight end, they saw a 30% drop in yards there. And then most surprisingly, Juwan Johnson, his production dropped in half from 2017 to 2018. Johnson then transferred to Oregon. Guess what the 2017 Penn State offense resembled? It was Oregon. In my opinion, I talked about this going into last season, and I've already talked about it in our burning questions earlier this summer. Um, the heart of the change in Penn State from last year, to, to, from 17 to 18, was the change in offensive coordinator from Joe Moorhead. Back to the James Franklin offensive old. Here's some additional evidence. Trace McSorley threw the ball 60 fewer times in 2018 and ran it 30 more. If that doesn't remind you of Vanderbilt, I don't know what does. This is not what you want from an offense with an absurd amount of wide receiver talent. It's not what you want from from a modern offense in the Big Ten. Joe Moorhead showed what you can do with the talent at Ohio State if you are aggressive and pass first. And Trace McSorley was an incredible talent. And I think they squandered him last year. And now they enter a situation where the best thing they can say about the QB room is a 95-yard touchdown pass versus Kent State. Like, this is a problem uh, for Penn State. And when you couple this with losing Tommy Stevens, who, you know, attitude aside, was the odds-on starter, right, coming into this season. Now, you know, Sean Clifford maybe beat him out in the spring, etc., it certainly seems like it was just still an open competition, and now they've lost a really talented guy. They do have another dude, Will Levis, who is really highly regarded. They have two other freshmen that are really, really like, they've they've again, they've got an absurd amount of talent, but nobody has proven, and most especially the offensive coaching staff has not proven. Now, all that being said, um, they're just going to, like, Wash, rinse, and repeat at running back with Ricky Slade. He was, an abs- he was an absurdly talented recruit. Miles Sanders has gone to the NFL. Slade is just going to jump right in. He's going to be fine. The offensive line is really good as well. Uh, they're going to be starting a redshirt freshman at left tackle, but otherwise they're pretty much intact. They're going to be solid. But then when you look at the receiver core, outside of K.J. Hamler and their freshman tight end, who was you know okay last year, again, they've got a lot of talent, but super unproven. Losing Juwan Johnson to Oregon is a big, big, big deal. That guy caught seven hundred yards worth of footballs two years ago. And without him, without McSorley, the connectivity to the, the PSU passing game of sixteen and seventeen, it's it's gone. I expect a serious drop off from this team this year. And maybe they've already experienced it. Maybe talent is enough that, you know, they're gonna they're gonna shave off another what, three, four, five points a game. Um, they were close to forty. In 2016 and 2017. 40 points a game average. They dropped down to 33.8 last year. Phil Steele's projecting it to go down to 30. I mean, I just... I think they're going to get more conservative. And I think they're going to get in their own heads and be like, Oh, we got this young QB. We got it like... Oh, we can't... We can't, you know... Release the hounds like we got to keep the Kraken in its cage and it's just, it's going to like, it's going to be like the snake eating its tail and they're going to end the year, you know, in the middle of the conference and offense, when they've got, you know, top two or top three talent. I I think this is a problem. Um, and so for that reason, like, yeah, the defense might be great, but this is going to start to look like the Penn state that was trying to win games 17 to 14, you know, in the first couple of years of, of James, the James Franklin era. And we all know how great James Franklin is in the waning moments of a super close game. That makes you feel good, right? <laughs> so, I like, I'll, I'll throw out one other thing, because it's kind of my bit this year. Um, the other thing that hampers them, they don't play the team that they rushed for 387 yards against last year. And that would be, wait for it, Illinois. <laughs>
1: So guys, I don't want to step on anything either, but if you think that makes Penn State special, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was just, it was their, it was the most output
0: they had all
2: year. Was, I, guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess was my point.
0: Well, let's uh, look into Penn State's schedule here. Um, non-conference all up at the top, home games against Idaho, Buffalo, and Pitt. And then they get a bye week, they're at Maryland, home for Purdue, at Iowa, home for Michigan, at Michigan State, uh, another bye, then they're at Minnesota, home for Indiana, at Ohio State and home for Rutgers. Um yeah, I mean, the non-con shouldn't be too big too much of a problem, I would imagine, and you know, it's it's just the, I Iowa Minnesota and Purdue is their is their cross, I mean, Purdue could, is going to be a very interesting team, and as we're going to discuss in the Purdue preview. But
2: well, I I hit this in our burning questions, like that that doesn't sound horrible, right? Purdue at Iowa at Minnesota, but when you compare it to what they had last year for the crossover, which was at Illinois and then hosting Iowa, hosting Wisconsin, and when you think about it, like how rough that Wisconsin team was by what was that like November eighth when they played them, um. This this feels like a harder task for me to go to Iowa to go to Minnesota. I don't believe that Minnesota is some amazing team, but maybe they are. Um, I don't know. Like that, they won all three of those games last year, and this feels like they're ripe to lose. At least one of these three crossover games that really stings.
1: Yeah. So this, I mean, it's such an interesting thing because on the face of it, well, first of all, at first glance. I see eight teams where I'm like, Penn State is just so much better than these eight teams that like, like, I just don't see how they score points. Um, the flip side is there are four teams that for sure are going to give Penn State a ton of trouble: Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, oh,
0: I, I thought you were going to say Idaho, but okay.
1: N- no, well, no, because it's it, now if it was in the Kibby Dome, that would be one thing, Sammy. But you know, because you don't just go into the the glorified airplane hangar that is the Kibby Dome and think you're going to get a win. But um, you know, to your point, talking about seventeen fourteen scus, I mean Michigan michigan state penn state you know they may go to penalty kicks in that game but um it's i think you've got first of all a team in iowa who i just think is is perfectly equipped to play a really tight game against penn state and that's exactly what we've seen from those two teams recently um michigan i think is just flat better ohio state's just flat better and michigan state May not be as good, but I mean, they defensively are absolutely equipped to take away the one thing that Penn State is going to do well. If you want a crazy long shot upset call, uh, I would throw out Purdue against Penn State. And that is because Purdue, while not being a good team, um, has Rondell Moore. And if you're looking for some sort of narrative along the lines of how could one of these lesser teams score, well, if Rondell Moore decides to just put up, you know, 300 all-purpose yards against Penn State on his own, um, there would be your way that Purdue would score points. And defensively, uh, you know, to your points, guys, like what do they have in Sean Clifford? We'll find out against Maryland—I mean against Purdue because Purdue will literally let him throw— on every single play and they'll just, I mean, they're going to put nine guys in the box in that mm-hmm. game. And so you've got, you've got that starting point, And then he, he they are Penn States looking at basically the entire month of October against basically NFL defensive lines. And I just don't, I mean, when that, if that neutralizes the best part of what they do offensively, I just, you know, their defense is, is awesome. But, um, I think like I said, I mean I think this team is going to erase a bunch of the teams on their schedule just because of the talent um between running back and defense, but it seems like there's just a solid wall here that they could hit. So I don't know. I I mean, what do you what do you guys think? How many games do they win this year?
0: I I was just about to ask. I mean, um last year they were 9 and 3 before uh losing to Kentucky in the bowl game. Um I don't know. I, I could
1: see right around there, nine and three, eight and four. Yeah, I I think I would shade high and say nine. I don't see ten. I don't know how this team is gonna is gonna score points, and I just don't think like discuss this point. I don't see how this team grinds out seventeen fourteen results to ten wins. I just don't see it.
2: So I I think the key stretch really is that September twenty seventh to October twenty sixth. I think they're gonna win the first three. I think they're going to win three of the last four. I mean, Tanner Morgan and Zach Anik's dad, don't scare me. I don't. I don't. I, I talk about Minnesota in in a number of these previews. Um, I don't think they're really going to beat Penn State. Um, and again,
1: like Penn State is legit, awesome against the pass. Like they but, just are.
2: But here is the thing, Maryland, the running backs on Maryland, and Josh Jackson. You don't think that can do some damage here? Um, oh, that's a they home have... game too on a Friday night.
1: Woo, oh, look out! Oh, it's—I mean, it's the—it's double trap, Maryland and Purdue. Yeah, trapy trap trap. Yep, yeah, it's trap city in that stretch. They absolutely could slip up there.
2: I mean, they could lose. It is conceivable. I don't think it will happen. It's conceivable they could lose all five of those games.
1: Oh, I just love, I just love the hate pouring out of your, <laughs> out of your pores as you like entertain this possibility. Just... I
0: mean, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility though. I mean, it, you don't no. have to squint too hard to no. see Maryland hanging with Penn State. You don't have to squint too hard to see Purdue, um, you know, pulling something out. I mean, I
1: I I want, oh, I think, I want it I think, so bad, and then give me that Ohio State loss, and then like Penn State's rolling into Rutgers, needing that win for bowl eligibility. Come on, give, <laughs> give us
2: that would be amazing. I think they will be fine. I th- I think they end up winning out. I think they end up you know whether it's Michigan State or Maryland or Purdue. I think they get they probably get two of those or Iowa. Um, so I'm gonna give them I'm gonna give them eight wins, but that's you know they won nine regular season last year. Uh, they won. I don't have their schedule in front of me from, from years. Oh yes, I do. You know, they won 11, uh, the year before and 11 the year before that. I I, like, I think eight with, with, a with a real potential that things could go sideways and they dropped to seven. I mean, if Sean, if Sean Clifford struggle, if Sean Clifford struggles as the QB of this team,
1: what the hell are they going to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. where, Where do they turn?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like, and that's all that would take them to just be basically where Michigan State was last year, right? Just like,
2: yeah,
0: or
1: or even Wisconsin or two, two years ago, right? Right.
0: James Franklin's seat getting hot at all?
1: If they put up a season nah. like that, if they put up seven or eight wins, then then it would for sure start getting warm. But I again, it's just like on paper, the talent on this team is just absolutely stacked, so. He's, um, he's done too well.
2: I mean, he's exceedingly talented at recruiting and program building. He's done too well on that and to have kept them operating at such a high level after all the turmoil they had. Yes. I know there was Bill O'Brien for what? A couple of years there, but mm-hmm. um, like I, I, I can't fathom that the bloom has come off that rose yet, even if they have a rough season. I mean, th- this would be their first like truly rough season under him. If they went seven and four outside of like the, the 2015
0: 2014. Yeah. yeah. The,
2: the, 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 um, I'm forgetting the, the, the Christian Hackenberg era uh, <laughs> when James Franklin couldn't coach, he still can't coach. Um, So like, Honestly, I think James Franklin will have a better idea of when his like his his seat will start to get warm, and he'll jump to the NFL before Penn State like gets hot enough to really put
0: pressure on him or 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 contemplate firing him. Is Franklin an NFL coach, though? I mean, I I, I struggle to see that. I mean, his his strengths are in recruiting, and in the NFL, that just doesn't matter.
2: But he's got that like CEO glad handing like I don't know maybe that's maybe that's not as important I guess it depends on on your your flavor of NFL coach is he Bill Belichick no way no no how never never in a million years I'd also
1: I'd, I'd just like to point out too that uh Penn State's schedule did them a lot of favors uh because they missed Northwestern this year and they needed this team needed to miss Northwestern this year um, and we are very well equipped to play this team straight up, um, and pr- you know probably better so than any other team in the West other than Iowa. And I think they're they're lucky because right, I mean, like they they need that nine nine wins give or take, um, and they're you know a lot is a lot of things have to go right for them to get to that number. Alright, well let's go ahead and leave it
0: there for uh, tonight. Uh, head to our website westlotpirates.com. where you can leave comments and questions. Uh, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter at westslotpirates and you can always email the show Westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skasbo and Sam Walter. Thanks most for listening We'll see you next time.